Hello and welcome to It's All in Your Head, a mental health podcast. My name is Eli Henry. I'm your host. Before we get started today, as usual, I would like to remind you that if you, someone you love, uh, is going through a crisis, finding it hard to go on, you can always call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Don't be afraid to reach out for help if you need it. Uh, Also, to any of my listeners in Canada, uh, I, I, I tried to look up a quick number uh, to give you to call, um, but I was overwhelmed by the amount of resources that we have in Canada. So if you are finding it hard to go on, just just Google it, look for help. There are so many options, depending on what province you're in. Uh, it's great. Today on the show, uh, we have my friend Hunter M. Altman. The only word, well, the first word, there are many words uh, that come to my mind it, when I think about Hunter M. Altman is... Uh, fearless um and i know that that's a real ridiculous word to use to describe a performer but he's a comedian and a writer and he is fearless and we're going to talk about some things today that are going to make you uh just shocked I, I i guess for lack of a better word hunter will do anything for a laugh he'll do anything for the joke he is the most committed man i know uh to comedy and he's got such a wonderful, eccentric mind. And I was so excited to have him on to talk about it because, you know, a lot of the times we talk about um, struggle and, and, and overcoming that struggle. And Hunter is really one of those guys who, I mean, much like Morgan in last week's episode where he was talking about career-wise, it just it doesn't really, it's not as big of a thing to him because it, it just feels like a game. Hunter just does things. It just it it just seems like second nature to him. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Like, it, it, I think it it it's kind of amazing, at least for someone like me who's so uh, self conscious in a lot of ways about uh, what I'm doing on stage and what I'm performing, and, and uh, what I'm doing in any context, uh, in an artistic sense. It, it's amazing to talk to a guy like Hunter because he just does it. No questions asked. He's like, yeah, sure. He'll get naked. He'll do other crazy shit. I don't even want to spoil it because I feel like you just need to hear it as it happens. Um, but also, you know, he's, he's such a, a wonderfully kind person and he, he talks a lot about this documentary he was working on uh, with uh, uh, um, young people with Asperger's and his experiences with that. And um, look, I'm just excited. It's a great episode and I, I just want to get into it. Um, additionally, before we go into it, I just want to say... Um, we're approaching uh, the end of the initial interviews I did. I did 11 interviews in a short span of time. Uh, this is number nine. I got two more of the initial ones before we get into the interviews that I started doing more recently. And it's been an incredible experience releasing them to all of you. And I'm so glad that people are listening and enjoying it. If you do enjoy the podcast, I, I do ask to help build um, a community, help build an audience. Please share it with your friends, family. Please like it, um, subscribe to it, rate it, and review it on iTunes. It's very helpful. And uh, let's just get it out there. Um, 
Also, those of you that have been listening uh, will be happy to know that I finally did it. I finally took a meditation class. I've done two so far. And, um, you know, I think it's helping. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it's definitely not hurting. We'll get into that another time. All right. But here it is. Hunter M. Altman, uh, the man without fear, which I think should be his wrestling name. Here we go. Hunter Altman, how are you today? I'm well. I'm well. Yeah? Uh, I, I like being called Hunter M. Altman because I'm an asshole like that. Hunter Maltman. Uh, yeah, it's the, the middle initial. Hunter? A f- football player named Hunter Altman. Oh, so you need that middle initial. He, he got all my Google hits when I was starting to make videos. What if you went out for like, what if you tried H.M. Altman? Uh, I, 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 I thought because my middle name's Mattingly, I tried uh, H. Mattingly Altman. For That's like a good author stuff. name. It, it read as female to some people and like uh, like really? that you know it doesn't really matter because i guess it like the thing it resorts to is like kimberly oh okay um but i've always loved like it's such a weird unique middle name mattingly mattingly what's funny my uh, my middle name is lawrence and you know when you join sag you have to uh yeah. put alternate names like is mm-hmm. it just in case if some other eli henry spelled with a y you know like yeah. no one but sure. so my alternates were el henry or e lawrence henry and yeah. i've decided to keep e lawrence henry for whenever i uh, yeah. decide to write a novel well i i think that's what it is too it's like yeah the that would be the perfect novel writing name yeah h yeah. matt h mattingly, mattingly altman. altman yeah yeah and e lawrence henry can collaborate yes. Oh my God. We could yeah. start a cult too. Those are good cult names. Oh, yeah. We would be so insufferable, but yet so many people would like us. Yeah, I think that's how that works. <laughs> uh, so, you're doing good today. All right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. That's good. Well, let's talk then. Let's get, let's get into the mental health stuff. Sure. Because uh, that's why people are listening. Because hmm? they want to hear us be sad. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you have? All right. Uh, well,. That's interesting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, also, I have a very gravelly voice. Uh, I am not sick. I am always like this. Um, <laughs> I don't so, know if that's mental health, but uh, it's definitely I mean, in the head. It pushes me. Yeah, this part of that. Yeah. Um, well, it is genetic, which mental yeah. health can be. Uh, I, I thought, mean, my, my voice is uh, yeah. gravelly, and it's because my and yeah my grandmother had a gravelly yeah. voice. Uh, it's, yeah. You know, it's I, just there. I thought I thought for, for the first fifteen years of my life, I thought my mom smoked, and that's why she had a gravelly voice. And now I realize it's just that. Crazy. Um, but so anyway, um, while uh, I was a child, I was diagnosed uh, with the uh, the Aspergers. When I was about 22, 23... I was undiagnosed, which is... Un- undiagnosed? Yes. Now, whether that's I grew out of it or I was originally misdiagnosed, no one really said that. And then, Can you grow out of Asperger's? Yes. Uh, really? Yes. Uh, I mean... Uh, well, Asperger's you know, is no longer technically even a thing, right? Correct. It's, it's just a portion of a spectrum. Right. Um, which is interesting because just as it became a very mainstream thing that people were starting to understand. What Asperger's was. Yeah, it was pulled away. So, you know, I'd been treated as a child because I was a problem child. There was, you know, some, you know, uh, depression as well. And so uh, basically Asperger's from about age eight to uh, 18 and, you know, through, you know, throughout that process. Uh, uh, there was also, you know, depression and stuff. I've been, uh, on lithium now since I was 14, which, uh, so is that, but that, that mainly treats bipolar disorders. It so does. They think you... And well, that, that, that factors in as well, because I've been treated for bipolar and what have you, uh, for many years as well. Right now I'm exploring, uh, at, you know, 
like literally in therapy on Tuesday and with the uh, psychologist, uh, you know, in the last month, we've been exploring new options for medications just because if it's been 14 years, you need to explore it. But also I'm starting to doubt whether I have the manic element of it versus just the depression. So, and the there's anxiety. a difference though between bipolar and bipolar two. And yeah. isn't bipolar two the one where you don't really have the mania? I, I think, to, to, to my knowledge, yes. I'm still like in the process of really exploring this as sure. well. Um, and this was, today is Friday. Yeah, this conversation was had on Tuesday, uh, mm. and it's been a wacky week for me. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 that sounds th- wacky. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Uh, <laughs> was your was your uh, therapist wearing like a big hat? Floppy shoes. Oh God, I wish she. Tell was. me about your feelings. Um, no, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and oh, she is a little uh, new agey, which is an interesting balance yeah. because I don't necessarily agree with all the new agey things, but I do believe in a lot of psych- psychology things. So it's it's an interesting balance of. You know, that, that all those How does approaches. the new agey stuff manifest? Like, what does she say? Well, it's, you know, like, you know, exploring magnets and exploring, like, you know, like uh, pressure points and stuff like that. Um, Half of that, I think, has merit. I th- magnets, I think, is a little stupid, but, I mean, pressure points. I, I, but she's I, a doctor. She's yes, like, she, so, you know. She, she's a doctor. She's trained. I don't necessarily oh. agree, you know, in, in all of it. And I also am trying to be at a point where, you know, I spent, you know, when, when, when you're diagnosed with something when you're eight and then you spend the next 10 years being a kid who's been diagnosed with something then it really becomes this is not in your control sure and then you know around when i was 18 there were some major issues that happened uh when i tried to take control and now i'm at you know age 28 really trying to be a grown-up about it Mm -hmm. um what what do you um, what do you define as the difference there of being a grown up about it versus taking control? When I was, I saw a child psychologist, you know, from the moment, uh, he was, you know, this fancy British guy who felt very impersonal and, Great. you know, I went through a hundred different therapists. Uh, mm. I actually saw some therapists from my school, which was, you know, they worked at the Y and it was, you know, we kind of found a loophole so that I could get legitimate treatment for, you mm. know, extended family members with you know drug abuse okay. um but then uh when i turned 18 i wasn't a kid anymore and yeah it's like what was it well let's i'm an adult now let's see what happens and so did you stop taking medications stop doing all that kind of stuff uh that was uh that was the the final step of that process yes right. um but it was you know exploring like what is it and, uh, you know, I was with uh, someone dating, um, proof that people who are diagnosed with Asperger's can date, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I was with someone who didn't really understand it. She came from a world that didn't, you know, really Deal understand with it. mental health. And- yeah, and, and I think, yeah, it was like, I always saw it as, well, I have Asperger's, so I'm weird. And I didn't quite understand how it interrelated with the depression elements of it. Um, and so, you know, I don't know when this, uh, will air, but I know we're recording this about two weeks before the 4th of July. Yeah. 4th of July is my least favorite day of the year because, uh, I was briefly hospitalized in the type of place where they take your belt. Oh, um, wow. When I was 18 and I had stopped taking the pills, um, because I thought I could take control of it. Um, it was a fascinating, terrifying process. How did it affect, like, taking, stopping the medication, how did that uh, affect you? Uh, it, 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 
it, it, there there was more happiness. There was more range of emotion. It's like mania. There was a, a, a little bit of it, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know specifically because like I haven't. F- and the thing about mania that fucks me up is like I'm a creative person. I'm a writer. I'm a filmmaker. I get on stage a couple nights a week. How much of like depression? I know that in my life, depression has always been a wave that comes in and out. Sometimes it can be situational because it's depression because Mm -hmm. you're sad because things can trigger things. And I believe deeply in the idea of the positive feedback loop, you know, where you put the microphone in front of the speaker and and then it boom, 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 boom. Um, so depression I know just comes out of nowhere for me. Yeah. Mania has never done that for me. Mania has always been situational or if it has been there, it's been masked by creativity. So I have a very... So do you get scared sometimes when you're feeling really inspired about something? Like you yeah, have that moment where you're inspired the, and you're like, is this genuine or is this yes. mania? Or it doesn't matter. am I happy? Like, so yeah, sometimes I'll legitimately like write down, like I'll open a file on my computer and just say, these are the reasons I was happy today. Just, just to keep track. Yeah. Um, and I wish I could do that more, but I, you know, that's obviously... Um, but anyway, so... Something uh, to keep up. Yeah, it, it's something to keep up. But it's hard to keep up every day. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so the mania is not a presence in my life the way the depression but is. But I'm curious, like, you know, yeah. what happened when you went off the meds that would prompt you? Like, did you put yourself in that institution? or was or Yes. So you just started to feel like you needed to be there? Um, I was, uh, for the same reason I can't really ever like July 4th anymore, um, I can also say that I'll never like the movie Nacho Libre um, because there was... Uh, an instance of self-harm, uh, you know, during and leaving that film. Oh, that you... Yeah, yeah. and I was on July 3rd, 2006. And so you were... Uh, so I you could, scared well, yourself. Yeah, and, and I, I understood that I was no longer in control. And the process was fascinating because I was in there, and uh, it was uh, Stony Brook University Hospital, um, which, uh, a brief aside, um, uh, the film Final Destination 1 uh, was the first movie I ever saw and on shot DVD. It there. Uh, and it turns out it took place on Long Island, which is where I grew up. Final Destination 2 was the first movie I ever saw where I saw my hometown on screen, but it was shot in Canada, where you're from. Oh, that's funny. So just played Long Island as farmland, but they actually had a character in the equivalent of that hospital. Uh, so it was a whole mindfuck for you. It was it, yeah, it was like going back to it was really weird. And then just the because those three movies keep fucking clicking for me, the third one was the first movie I ever saw where the protagonists were younger than me. Oh wow. So well, uh, so but so anyway, I went in and um you know there were people, you know, in rooms obviously it's overstuffed because it wasn't a mental hospital hospital, it was the psychiatric wing of Stony Brook University. Right. Um, and so like there were people on, uh, stretchers, uh, tied down in door jams. Right. And that was disconcerting and looking around and feeling this complete lack of control. Um, am I like them, you know, am I like them versus I don't want, this isn't the place for me. Um, and like, yeah, I've been you know, thinking about this a lot. You know, I'm going through some family concerns right now. I grieve wrong and I process things wrong and I understand How that. How do you mean? Uh, when one of my best friends from childhood passed away, uh, I remember sitting in an office alone because I was interning. And you know, I was like, oh, I've had an improv show two hours later. And I did the improv show. And like I, I, I bubble shit in. I push things around. Why is, why is that wrong? I, 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 th- I think because I, 
I don't emote when people expect me to. And, and it comes out later? It, it either comes out later or it comes out differently. Um, and like, you know, just like thinking back to that type of stuff and thinking back to like, uh, last night I had gotten a particularly, you know, upsetting text about, you know, someone I cared about that was, you know, uh, rough. And I still, for the next, you know, hour and a half was riffing and doing bits in the comedy class I was in. And then I'm like on the way home, like pulling over to cry and shit. I mean, um, that, that's, uh, yeah. it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't think that's necessarily unhealthy. It's not like you're not processing the emotions, right. but it's almost um, impressively professional. Yeah. I had another guest on the show who talked about right. that within entertainment industry stuff. Like, you know, she'll be on set and yeah. you get a text that's like, I'm leaving you and moving out of the apartment. And you're like, well, that yeah. sucks. I got to finish my work and then I can do it. But it, it's tough, I think, with, with comedy too, because it's, yeah. I think you can feel that guilt because if you're sad yeah. and you're doing comedy, it's almost the complete opposite emotion, yeah. prompting joy and laughter. I think so, yeah. Well, and, and, and anyways, just to, to finish the anecdote, sure. they, uh, the doctor you know, said that I was one of the most sane people they'd ever seen in there. Oh, that's unsettling. And I, I mean, I don't uh, know yeah, about right. you. That I would find that unsettling. Well, be, because when they, sat, when they sat me down, I was so rational. I was so clear. I understood everything. And like, it was I was like, you had a lot of therapy walking through the halls and seeing all the other people. Yes. And understanding that this is because of this, this is because of that. Here's what happened, blah, blah, blah. And, and there, yeah, there was, there was that logic to it where I, I, I believe very much that, you know, and this is why, like, I would never want to be off medication again necessarily, but I do believe like my life is a constant balance between, uh, emotion and intellect. Yeah. Um, probably like i don't want to speak for anyone else but probably to a deeper degree than many because i have such a weirdly analytical mind but i also have you know i um yeah you're emotionally yeah very much so like i mean you've you know seen me socially like that's that's who i am but also i'm yeah you've also had conversations with me unsocially where it's like very different people Sure. I mean, yeah. I, I, um, I think I think with everybody, yeah. at least I can speak to myself. I've I've said similar things to what you just said yeah. to friends, and I'm always surprised to find that everyone's like, no, 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 you're pretty much the same. And which is what I would say yeah. to you. That, and it's the thing is, I think like I've said this before on the podcast. I don't know what um, you know order I'm airing these episodes. Mm -hmm. So forgive me, people at home, if this is a repetition. But uh, I, I've said that I think that what, part of the reason I'm doing this podcast and, and what I've learned so far over doing it, you know, this is like maybe the eighth or ninth episode I've recorded, is that we all, with mental health issues, think we're snowflakes. Mm -hmm. We think we're precious little snowflakes, yeah. and this is this is how it affects me. I'm the only one going through this. Yeah. Um, but the more I do this, and the more I talk to people, and the more people say mm -hmm. things, I go, oh yeah, I do that too. And the more we're like, oh, you do that too, and start to realize, oh, it's just kind of the way this mm -hmm. disease manifests. Yeah. Um, well, can, 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 can I ask, because I'm curious, because yeah, like, sure. we're talking about like, you know, comedians, what have you. Do you feel that, um, I mean, because I, I, I think I definitely connected back to, um, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, uh, Robin Williams passing as being kind mm. of a watershed moment where people were. That was a big thing for me. Yeah, for, well, for, for me too. Um, because if you recall, uh, at that time, I was uh, badly injured. Yeah, your, um, your leg. I had, I had destroyed in a comedy show uh, my foot, and I wasn't able to walk for about four months. 
and that put me in the most depressed and situationally but then like, like a rear window you know yeah yeah no 100 percent. i hate well I, I don't hate rear window uh rear window was never one of the just gives it, you a, a yeah. traumatic well, uh, well i haven't watched it since i know because you're like i don't need yeah, to see no, that no, i get no. it yeah like the the the, the fact how many that, murders did you solve when you uh six okay uh, <laughs> yeah um but like at that point i was very much at i would say that and then i would say Oh, uh, when I was 18, those were probably the two lowest points of my life. Mm. Maybe also when I was 14, but that was like while I was like figuring my well, life out. Well, you're 14, out. so yeah. like every like you yeah. did. Um, but like, you know, yeah. at that moment, you know, you know, Robin Williams passing, I saw it while I was sitting uh, in, a, in a doctor's office waiting a half hour for the doctor to show up because f- fuck healthcare. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so I was, I was sitting there and just going through, you know, these emotions and it was... Yeah, it, it, that sounds bad. I can top it. I yeah. was in an improv class. Oh boy! And yeah. someone just broke the news oh, fuck. like a prick. Yeah. Like they broke it. Like they were excited yeah. to be the one to break. You guys, it. like you guys. I was on set. I was on stage doing a doing a herald with my group, and then we were going to sit down. And she was like, "Robin Williams just died," and everyone stopped. Like yeah. that wasn't a bomb to drop in a class full of comedians. Yeah. And I was like, "What?" She was like, "Robin Williams. He, he the comedian. And I said, he died." She goes, "Yeah." I said. Robin Williams died. She was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And I spent the rest of that set Googling this stuff because, I mean, for me, it was intensely personal because, you know, the reason I'm an actor, the reason I do anything, it, it, even though what I do and my style isn't particularly similar to his, mm-hmm. my parents had a VHS copy of Hook. Yeah. And so I watched it over and over mm-hmm. and over again as a kid. And I did projects on him. I have an autographed photo of him in my room because I wrote him a letter oh, when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, you showed me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like, you know, it, it hit me mm-hmm. very hard. Yeah, um, but I, I I think like, and I think it hit everyone yes. hard because you know he's a poster yeah. child for yeah. the 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 sad clown you know he he is but also like in this L A comedy community he was so famous for just saying I want to be a normal person I'm gonna just put on a hat and Go walk over show. to I O and say hey can I watch a show then hey if is there something I can be in tonight I just want to I just want to do it yeah um, and I think. Uh, you know, not to like psychoanalyze the movement. Uh, this was very much a year where it was um, the the yes all women uh, really gave uh, a lot of people a voice to speak out mm-hmm. honestly about things that were very honest to them uh, and then hard to talk about. Very hard to talk about, and I think that opened the door for I, f- I forget which happened first, but like those two things happening, and I th- I think we're well, at a point which, which you mean like yeah, the, Robin Williams dying and that happening, or yeah, just just because right. I I feel like there were a lot of uh, causally related. Hey, we're able to talk about these mental things a little more. Right. Yeah, women's rights yes. and mental health. And like, it. yeah, because like these were all dirty little secrets of, like, yeah. What I, I've I've done comedy for six years, and for the first three years, I I didn't really have any reason to think, oh fuck, I should offer you know to walk my friend to a car because it's fucking dangerous. Right. Or like that stuff. Oh, why would yeah. anyone yeah. be, why would anyone yeah. working at this yeah. theater be and, abusive? Yeah. And, and so like, just for, for, for those, yeah. uh, by the way, who so. are listening that don't have intimate knowledge of the Los Angeles comedy community. Um, me too. But, uh, <laughs> just to give you an idea yeah. there over the last four years, I mean, since I've been living here, yeah. there's been a string of, um, outcries against yeah. sexual assault and, uh, and the like in the comedy community, you know, instances where, um, in one case, you know, as an artistic director of a theater was kind of leveraging his job 
and power to get mm-hmm. women to sleep with him. Uh, there was another instance where, you know, a guy was, um, you know, like just, just, you know, I, I, for sake of triggering, I'm going to not go into too many details. It's just a, guy, a lot of guys being fundamentally assholes and misogynistic and, and uh, mm-hmm. women started to speak up a lot more and uh, it's oh. prompting some, some very positive change now, yeah. but. And, and I would say also, I mean, I don't want to put words into anyone's mouth. I, I Like for me, like as a bystander to at least that element of it, it felt like it also began um, with the uh, the fucking monster who uh, shot up uh, the, the college a few years ago. Oh, um, right. where, where, um, where he was, Oh, uh, the men's rights act, the men's rights. Like, yeah. And so the, I, I feel like that's when conversations started happening. And I feel like I'm, it's unfortunate yeah. that mental health conversations spur in the wake of, uh, I, I well, I mean, it's happening right violence. now with Orlando. I mean, exactly. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, when I mean, it's is like, scary, yeah, it's an but, aspect, but also it's yeah. like, you know, I've said before mm-hmm. that my big issue when we bring up mental health in the wake of that is like. Yeah. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. but also if our whole point is trying to end a stigma yeah. and get people mm-hmm. to come out and talk, it's not going to be helpful to make them think, yeah. you know, make them think that everyone else yeah. thinks that we're dangerous when really we're just like in sweatpants, yes. you know, most of us. Um, anyway, nevertheless, yeah. you're um, saying, no, yeah, how, I, how I, those things all related? I, I, yeah, I, I think we're in a culture where, but also it's like it. I feel like, you know, where I am right now, um, and, and this is part of, like, you know, is comedy healing, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I moved out here to make horror movies and, you know, to make movies and to go to film school and shit. Um, and in doing comedy, you know, finding your voice, what have you. And for me, finding my voice is finding uh, personal honesty and being willing to, like, I'm most famous probably in the comedy community for uh, nudity. Well, actually, that's... <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> a sentence is which I never thought I'd say to you. I'm glad you brought up your nudity, Hunter. Uh, well, I did want to talk about that because yeah. just just for people that don't know you, yeah. um, and what you do. Uh, I mean, Hunter is a very hilarious sketch comedian. Uh, absurd is the word that definitely mm-hmm. comes to mind for most of his work. It like yeah. insanely absurd, ridiculous shit. But on top of that, you are the guy who'll do anything. Yes. You'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. One story I heard was you putting a carrot up your ass on Two stage. Carrots. Two carrots. Sorry. Because uh, the audience Were they didn't full s- carrots or baby carrots? They were baby carrots. The audience didn't see the first carrot. So you had to prove that yes. you did it. Great. Because there's nothing worse than a bit that doesn't play. Well, you know, if the carrot's yeah. up there, you it's like putting a tip in a yeah. tip jar yeah. at a cafe. If they don't see you do exactly. it, you're like, oh, but how do you know? Um, so, okay, so here's the question then. Um, why? <laughs> well, I mean, well, okay, that's, that's yeah. pretty blunt. I mean, like, wh- wh- what is it you think makes you feel comfortable doing that? And why is it that you feel like that's something you're able to do? Because, I mean, candidly, in conversations we've had, I know that, you know, there are elements of, um, you know, you can be self-conscious. It's something that comes with depression and all that stuff. I would. I could never do that. Like I could never. I had an idea for a sketch with Corey that I I love, but I would never do. Called locker room, Mm -hmm. which is where we'd go up, like we're in a men's locker room and just be having a normal conversation, Mm -hmm. and then just get completely naked like men do in locker rooms, Mm -hmm. and just be like standing there, like you know, blow drying our balls or Mm -hmm. whatever. And another guy, naked guy, walks through. Just you know, funny. I would never do it though because I'm so self conscious. I, I wouldn't. 
So what is it to you that gives you that ability to be... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you uh, an anecdote that maybe doesn't explain anything, but we can like talk. Extrapolate through. from there. So um, our mutual friend, uh, Tim Chang. Yep. Um, the first time I did a full nudity bit um, was in a show called Tournament of Nerds uh, yep. for Tim Chang. Um, and it was fun. It was silly. Basically, it was a wrestling bit. So he was playing Stone Cold Steve Austin. And uh, I was... He, Tim Chang yeah. is like a wiry Asian guy. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, yeah. And then I was... Uh, um, I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole story. I was just playing the Wolfman from uh, Monster Squad. Okay. And yeah, the famous line is, uh, the Wolfman has nards. So I was proving that the Wolfman, the wolfman had nards. Um, and we did it that one time. And it... Like, you could argue that that was a moment where people were like, oh, okay, Hunter's a person who's doing something here. Yeah, Hunter will do whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't say that that was why I did it. But then, so the actual anecdote is So that, was it even a thing to you? Like, making the decision to, to show your nards? Was that even, like, w- w- when, when the idea came up, were you, like, whose idea was it? Was Tim, Did Tim go, will you show your nards? Or did you pitch it? And let, let, let me finish the anecdote, then I'll answer Okay, that all right, I've okay. got... I'm, just, just, just because I, I think that'll, that'll clearly Unsurprisingly, state. I am yeah. full of questions. Okay, so they asked us to do that bit again in the five or six year anniversary of the show. Okay. And, um... They, and so they didn't. So the bit was that Tim Chang comes out and starts slamming all his friends, uh, and he's going to slam the Wolfman. So I come out, and I was like, the Wolfman has an arts. Pull it down. He comes over to slam me, and I fucked up the wrestling move. Uh, like, I, I fell to the ground too soon. <laughs> and that... <Make> it. <laughs> the fact that I fucked up the wrestling move ate at me for so long. Right. The nudity, nothing. Yeah, that so, idiot. So that 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 so that's then, the so way. So then, that, in your sense, then yeah. So in that sense, the nudity then was never a thing for you. Not, not even really. even the first time you did the bit. Yeah. It was never you like who so who pitched the idea of the Nards? Okay, so and this isn't meant to throw uh, Tim under the bus. Is just how the process went. Oh, it didn't sound like throwing anything under the bus if it was successful. Um. So the, basically, the way the show works is you have three rounds. Round one has eight people competing, two, 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 two. Round two is two, two. Round three is the finals. Right. Um, Tim had never done the show before. He really wanted to do the show. And they finally said, fuck it, Tim, you can do the show. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to make shit crazy. I'm going to fucking explode beers. There's oh, I remember he got banned from the show, right? Yeah, like that? fucking beers hitting the projectors, beers thrown out in the crowd, spraying everywhere. So the fucking floor is covered in oh, beers. And, and it's like, he's making a fucking, he's like, I know I'm not going to win. So I'm going to fucking do it. And so I was just part of the group. It's like, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, and it's he nice a- to be outside. He accidentally won. He accidentally and won. And he had nothing planned for the next one. Okay, so this is and like day of. This is day. This moment of. This backstage, uh, you know, walking around. And he's For like, round two. okay, so I think I forget who we were. We were someone, whoever he was facing in the nerds, he was facing, and so we were like the characters from that movie. And so the next one was the Monster Squad, and we're like, cool. Does Wolfman have nards? I'll just do it. Because like, so you- it, was just, it was just nothing. So, so <laughs> it wasn't even a thought for you. And well, have you yeah. given it thought since? Is it, has there ever been like an after-the-fact moment where you're like, I can't believe I did this? Yes, but those... I but it's know. always more obsessed about the like... The bit, yeah. The bit, For like sure. screwing up the bit or making the bit For work. sure. I'm much more embarrassed if I, if I fuck up a line or a comedy bit. So you're comfortable with your body then to... to I, I hate my body. But you don't give a <laughs> shit about showing it? 
Uh, I think there's a level of uh, of comfort. Like, I mean, the the other half of this equation is that uh, everyone in the comedy community seems to know that I have an extremely small dick. Um, I did not know this. You're welcome. That's <laughs> all right. Um, but there, it it goes back to that thing of like why I'm so welcome to this open emotional and uh, personal honesty is like it's true. How's it going to affect me? Like, is it if 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 that's really going to be a problem for my dating life? I already suck at fucking dating. Like, that's not going to be a concern. Like, yes, and I, then plus that doesn't really factor in until you've already been successful at a date. I, look, I've I've had sex, Eli. No, no, yeah, no I'm just, you know what I'm saying. It's uh, like you can yeah. be bad at dating. Like, that's why I mean, I've, yes. I've got friends. That you ever hear the guys talking about like? Oh man, if I had a big dick, I'd be so good at dating. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you wouldn't, because you how the fuck the does it make a difference? What are you gonna walk into a room and be like, I've got a big dick? Because yeah. everyone's gonna go, no, you don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I can like see, that's yeah. having a big dick is a lovely surprise mm-hmm. for both parties it's, it's involved. It's a perk. It's a perk. It's a perk. It's yes. not like it's not like you can be a total shit yes. person, mm-hmm. and then but yeah. it's like I but the dick helped get yeah. you there. It's like yeah. no, but it's just at a certain point, someone wanted to fuck you, yeah. and then they see your dick. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's a thing I don't care about. Like, right now, the thing I do care about is just, am I doing it too often? And like, if you, you want to know if it's still work. funny. Like, it sounds like that's yeah. what you care about is if the bit goes well. If the if the bit yeah if if the bit goes well if the bit is earned. Like at this point, I very rarely write naked bits for myself anymore. Other people do it for you. And and if the bit is earned, you know, I'll do it. Right. Um. Or sometimes if it's like mm, everybody has a yes. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like, yeah, uh, uh, for instance, um, like, you know, uh, there, uh, there was a show like four years ago, three years ago where someone asked me like, Hey, you want to just be Frankenstein and just be like big and dumb? And I'm like, sure. And they like, give me a bunch of face paint. I'm like, Oh, there's extra fucking face paint. I can just fucking paint my ass. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you know, like, uh, <laughs> give me a, what's that expression? Give me a thing. I'll make a thing. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. like that's. Yeah, but but then I don't even know if I can call what yeah. I just said paraphrasing, but you know what I yeah. mean. But but uh, then there will be things where it's like, oh, this is kind of punching down this bit. I'm not comfortable doing it. Right. So uh, when you within your yeah. own writing, I'm curious. Yeah. Do you um, do you ever address your own issues, your mental health stuff within your writing, or or because mm-hmm. you're so absurd and and you, mm-hmm. I mean you've written pretty much any kind of thing, but right. you tend to gravitate towards the absurd. So I mm-hmm. mean. Do you ever find yourself writing sketches that directly address the idea of mental health or how you feel? Um, I've done I've done it before, um, uh, <clears throat> not always successfully. Like, or do you I just would, like making something that makes you feel better, uh, just because well, of how enjoyable. It is. Tony the Wonder Llama, half man, half pea, is a well, technically thirty-two minute, twenty-five minute show that I put up this week. Okay. Um, and it's very much. Repeat that for me, just once for everybody at home. Uh, Tony the Wonder Llama, half man, half pea. It's Tony a ca- the Wonder Llama, half man, half pea. It's right? a character I've been uh, working on, you know, for many years. Um, <laughs> it's my opus. Um, and uh, you know the the two key sketches in it. One of them is someone bombing and imploding while trying to like perform like his one big shot. And I feel like that plays in very much into my fears and my anxieties. I would say that of all, of all the depression, the anxiety, like I don't identify as a person with Asperger's anymore. Mm. I identify as a person, um, and actually, please uh, jot this down so I can get into that in, in a minute, just because it, I think it is a part of my brain process. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, 
I've very much anxiety, uh, anxiety and depression. I, I try to look at my life like that in terms of like taking ownership of life. Yeah. Um, that's important because, because I mean, Asperger's yeah. even yeah. as a thing is like more of a, yeah. a, 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 a it's a collection. Yeah. You have Asperger's, but you can fight anxiety and you can work with depression. Right. You can't fight Asperger's. And I would you, argue yeah. that for what it's worth, that with depression, anxiety, a large part of it is, it's not fighting yeah. so much as it understanding. is it, understanding yes. and accepting. Yeah. That, that was the most helpful thing my therapist ever said because, you know, when I had, because uh, my anxiety, last night somebody was just, you know, because this is what I talk about yeah. with people. Last night someone was saying, do you think you have more anxiety or more depression? Mm-hmm. And they're so intertwined yeah. to me that they, they feed into each other. It's hard to yes. tell, but definitely. Uh, anxiety has been the major problematic thing. And, and I remember the, the thing my therapist said that was so helpful, not the time, at the time mm-hmm. it sucked, but, you know, I'd been having, I started having these panic attacks and I hadn't yeah. seen him in a couple months because we kind of got off schedule with booking mm-hmm. and it was like, so I hadn't seen him in like a month or so. I finally got an appointment and I've been having these really bad panic attacks, like day long panic attacks. And I went in and I was like, hey, so I've been, ha- I've been having really bad anxiety. And he goes, all right. Uh, I said, okay, so what can I do to stop it? He goes, you can't. I was like, ha, ah, right. Okay, so like, how do I not do this anymore? He goes, you don't. Yeah. You have this now. It'll happen. It'll go away. Mm-hmm. It won't last forever. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, well, that sucks. Yes. But then I realized that, that you know, he was yeah. right. Every time I had a panic attack, I was like, well, this is going to go away. But I know I'm having one right now. I... And it just, they went from like a day to an hour to 15 minutes to like breakfast. I know? love having panic attacks. Why? That's very interesting to me. Why? Because they mean... That it's over. What do you mean? What's over? I go into states where for you know, a week or so I'll be on edge or I'll be anxious or I'll have a bunch of near panic attacks. Or maybe you can define them as panic attacks. But like knowing that the big one is coming and then when it comes, like I love nightmares as well. Well, you're a horror movie guy. I'm a horror movie guy. Nightmares for me are just distilled emotion. And there's almost a high to that. But it's also like you feel it. Like I love horror movies. I love having watched a horror movie more than watching a horror movie. Right, because afterwards is when you really yeah. like think about and, it. And same thing with panic attacks is yeah. because after a huge panic attack, there is a return to equilibrium for me at least. So have you talked about that with your therapist? I'm, I'm curious what I'm they I'm pretty say. sure I have. I'm curious um, what, what they think of that because that, that's interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, that's I, I a really healthy have. way of looking at it yeah. in an interesting way. It, 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 I it, mean, it's it, a bizarre way. I, I, yeah. I think it sounds healthy. It's it's not yeah. like... Because, I, I mean, yeah. I've had panic attacks and it's kind of... I, yeah, I feel like when you're in the middle of a panic attack or in the middle mm-hmm. of a depressive episode, at least yes. I can speak for myself, maybe you can agree mm-hmm. or not, there are these moments where, you know, I'm caught up in the emotion of like whatever it is, I feel so upset or I feel mm-hmm. so this or I feel so afraid, whatever is happening. Yeah. But in that moment, the intellectual part of me is like, fascinating. It's like I've got yes. a little man with a pipe yes. going, oh, oh, look at, and now this. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've yeah. been there before. It's very predictable. I've many times, and I think this is very jarring to people. Especially, I'm, an, I'm a late night person. I'm a writer, creative asshole, bullshit, whatever the fuck. Um, that's, don't worry, that's the name of the show. <laughs> Hi, well, I'm Eli Henry. Welcome to uh, whatever. I'm a late night crazy ass writer, yeah. artist, whatever the fuck. I've Today, talked. Today, Hunter M. Altman is. <laughs> I've talked people through my own panic attacks. How so? Like, if I'm home alone and going through it. You'll, like, text somebody? I can I can text someone and be... Because, like, the, the, the definition of a panic attack, there's a... Uh, or at least the definition I've read, I believe it was from the DSM-4, was here's ten criteria, it's four or more. 
Hmm. And, and so that's why like some people get shortness of breath. Some people cry, some people this, that, and the other. And for me, a lot of times I'll be able to say, or a lot of times I'll be so in control that I don't realize it was a panic attack until after it happened, but I knew something was happening and I'm just so trying you, to stay So when you say talk people through, you mean like you're able to just hold a conversation? Well, describe it one? as it's happening. It's like, oh, and sure. now I'm crying and now I'm feeling like this. And, and now... I don't think that's absurd. I don't think that's, that's uh, jarring. I mean, that, that, yeah. that, well, I think it's jarring to the person receiving it sometimes. Oh yeah, it is. Yes. I've been in that, like my yeah. band uh, saw me have a panic... Well, yeah. two of the guys in my band saw me have a mm-hmm. panic attack once. And it's gotten to the point now where, like, you know, because of what my therapist said, the way I look at it is more when it does happen. They happen less yeah. and less yeah. now. But when it does happen, I view it more as, like, an inconvenience. Yes. Then I, then I view it as a, uh, uh, like, it's annoying. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll, I'll be able to do that where, you know, I'll say, I'm panicking, and I'll have a Xanax or something. Or something yeah. And somebody goes, like, oh, my God, why? What's going on? I'm like, oh, chemical yeah. balance. Don't worry about it. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. And, like, you know what I mean? But it, it, I'm able to discuss it. Like, oh, yeah, my heart's just getting really fluttery, yes. and that's just what it is. But mm-hmm. huh, anyway, you were saying, like, you know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. it, it's interesting yeah. how that works. I, I will say this. I was once prescribed Xanax, and I don't use it. I, well, it I, doesn't work. For, it's, not, it, not everything works for everybody. I, yeah, I, I also, like, because it's something that, like, you would be taking regularly – or just As for needed. the moment, like the like, depressive medication, absolutely because that's a state of equilibrium. Uh, like this, this is um, this is like taking skin steroids uh, for a pimple. Like pimples are going to happen. With Xanax. Yeah, but like well, if you have overall dry skin, that's depression, and you need to use lotion. Interesting. I mean, like for me, Xanax yeah. was a I crutch. Also, while I, I never felt out. comfortable. Also, yeah. So. Well, I mean, that, that's why yeah. it manifests differently. People yeah. Xanax for me. Uh, never became too much of a crutch, or it was a crutch yes. rather, while I was figuring right. out my other medication and, and and going to therapy. So like, if a panic attack got really really bad, mm-hmm. I'd take his Xanax because yeah. you know I needed to just chill the fuck, yeah. especially if I had shit to do. Yeah. I needed to chill the fuck out. And, and Xanax is a weird feeling. I understand that because you know you take it when you're having a panic attack, and you're like, weird. I know yeah. why I should be panicking. Yeah. But I guess I'll yeah. play video games, or where I go to work now. It, it's it's a bizarre feeling, and that can be uh, um, jarring to people. Yes. Um, I, I want to talk about mm-hmm. this documentary you did. Okay. Uh, tell, so, well, tell the people at home about this documentary. But it, it, okay. it's, it's taken on a different level of fascination to me now that I know about your Asperger's diagnosis. Uh, okay. Um, in Hollywood, people know people, but in Hollywood, Florida, ha ha. ha. Um, so um, get out. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. Um, so um, my grandmother, uh, yeah, I'm a Jewish New Yorker, so my grandmother lived in, in Florida. Florida. Uh, it, it is the clichéest thing in the world. Fort Lauderdale, uh, Boynton, and then Delray. Okay. Um, I was actually uh, in the same town as the 9/11 hijackers the month before 9/11. Oh, good. And why didn't you stop him, Hunter? Fourteen-year-old uh, Hunter to the rescue. Yeah, I have a feeling. Yes, um, and that's why you wound yes. up in the institution. <laughs> um, but uh, 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 Hunter so. did laugh, just so you know. It wasn't <laughs> he wasn't offended by that. So um, uh, one of my grandmother's neighbors and friends, uh, um, you know, had a, a, a child who lives out here. She was a, so she's like you know ninety now or whatever, um, but. Uh, they, uh, you know, they connected uh, with my mom, who my mom moved out here um, 
uh, after I did, which was, you know, very nice having, you know, support system. Very nice. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it was that connection. Um, and they were looking for uh, someone to direct something. And so that, you know, it's, it's, you know, I still went in the room and pitched them and, you know, walked through it. But that's how I got in the room. So it was a nonprofit uh, company called uh, Jay Nolan. Uh, and uh, Jay Nolan, uh, they were working uh, with, uh, you know, autistic uh, you know, people, uh, I believe, of all ages. But in the case of this, uh, it was a uh, job placement for um, autistic people, for but young not adults. But uh, young adults, like there were eighteen-year-olds, there were twenty-eight-year-olds. Right. Um, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't about job placement. Like, let's get you in McDonald's. It was. You you're an artist. You're autistic, but you're an artist. Or um, what was the uh, so uh, you're 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 a great cook. You're autistic, but you're a great cook. Yeah, and it, I mean, there is that yeah. facet of autism that yeah. people, that, you know, yeah. latch onto a specific yes. thing and get really good at it. Yeah. Uh, is that? I mean, that, that I don't know if that's true in all cases, obviously, mm-hmm. but I mean, like it, 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 it happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in so in, it's just trying to make use of that in a yeah, bigger way. In, yeah, in the case great. of this, yeah, like if you're going to be. Um, you know, as, as I, you know, not everyone can be independent. Not everyone can be a burden on their family for their whole lives. And there's lots of social services of different levels of financing. Mm-hmm. Jay Nolan received a grant for you know a good amount of money, and what I was filming was the results of the grant. So you did this documentary. You directed it. Yes. And uh, how's that going? Uh, it's been in the can for over a year. Um, I, festivals or I don't I don't know what the it, it it's it's theirs. I was you know sure, hired. Sure. I was brought in. Um, I I know they've you know used it as a tra- you know for training stuff. They spoke about wanting to put uh, bring into festivals. I don't know what I don't know what they're doing. Right. But well, here's yes. here's what I'm curious mm-hmm. about. So you go in, you direct this yes documentary on yes. young autistic adults mm-hmm. we've discussed the idea that asperger's now technically yes. doesn't exist it's just part yes. of the spectrum mm-hmm. how was it for you going in and directing something like that being so close to it in the sense of being diagnosed autistic or uh, you know with asperger's like yeah. did that factor in was it it, it it factored in and i'm i'm sure that a conversation was had or like hey you know that was well. Let's yeah. I th- I think for hold me. Hold on, hold on. I need to yes. know what that conversation. No, the conversation. I think was your like, mic was breaking yes. up a bit. <laughs> uh, uh, the conversation was like, if it did happen, I'm not exactly sure. Sure, but you can you know, see it. Happening. You, you can see it happening where it's like, by the way, he was diagnosed. He doesn't have it anymore. Like, look, he he doesn't seem to have it. But the there was a level of empathy that I could find. Right. You you understood. Yes. So could you yes. see any of yourself in these guys? Well, the, uh, so. I, I, I will I will say this. Uh, the, we, we originally just shot it. We went to three workplaces and we did you know sets of interviews at offices and stuff. I gave them a first cut and they they wanted it to play uh, you know more uh, connected. So they actually without me saying you know that I was you know autistic or Asperger's. I mean this is pretty much me coming out of the closet. But then again, it's like oh I used to have something whatever. Like I I also used to. So you, you don't you know, think you still have it? I I I I I, I think. I think that that that's a, a, another thing to jot down to come around to. Okay, again. I'll come back to that. Um, so, but you're yeah. saying so. So, uh, they they that. they wanted me to go on camera as someone who did relate to them, um, talking about how when I was a kid, people thought I didn't have a shot, and look at me, I'm fucking directing a movie. Right. Um, 
Look and getting at me. naked and putting yeah. carrots on my eyes. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, sorry, I hit, I hit the game. Um, yeah, so, 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 so like, great success. Yes. I mean, for what it's yes, worth, true. like to people listening to this, because you know, a big part of this podcast yeah. is for people that aren't sure who are in that boat, who yeah. aren't sure about how to get into the yeah. industry or keep going. I mean, yeah. even to the fact that, like, yeah, I made, yeah. I, I, I just made a disparaging remark about yeah. you putting carrots up your ass, yeah. but mm-hmm. it, I knew about it. It's yeah. legend here, and it got a good response, and yeah. it was that, funny. That was the last. The last bit at UCB Franklin before they opened the other theater. Oh my! <laughs> it was Halloween because they opened it on November second. So uh, that's that's my that's my claimiest claim to fame. Um, claimiest yes. fame. Uh, but uh, the idea that like I could like connect like it was trippy as fuck because uh, one of the subjects was also named Hunter. That is. Yeah. Um, uh, and so like that that was yeah but like, um, yeah for for me it yeah there's there's fear of like looking at people and seeing like. I can still see shortcomings within myself that relate to my, you know, psychological handicaps. Um, and I could see huge shortcomings in theirs as well. Like, do I believe that, you know, in 15 years, those, you know, the three main subjects of the film, like, do I think that they'll be living day-to-day lives that look like yours or mine? I don't know, but do I think that because of what they were doing, they were given the opportunity to show that they could live happy, more fulfilled lives than the cliche of the autistic kid who has to stay at home or the autistic kid who works at McDonald's just so that they have something to do in their lives. Right, right, right. Um, And, like, the things that they were doing were so, uh, you know, Plaudible, like applaudable. That's probably what I worded that wrong, but like. But I know, I, yeah, I understand yeah. what you mean. Like, um, yeah, the they, the, the the best example to me was there was one who, um, he was an artist and he created these, you know, these simple designs. Like you can find it. His name was uh, Hunter Larkin, and like you can look. I think it's like Hunter Larkin's Creations Hunter Mattingly Larkin. Oh fuck you! Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was that was that was a. That was a day on set, like Hunter. Yes, 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 oh, yes, damn yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I, and so ultimately, like you know, I and and for yeah, for obviously for their sake, I just like you know made it that he was Hunter on set that day. Yeah, of course. Um, but um, but Hunter Larkin is his, is his website. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I believe it's Hunter Larkin's Creations, and so like he would create you know these art you know art, artistic stuff and like yeah like do like T-shirts and stuff, and so they used grant money and they moved money around so that he could buy like a fifteen thousand dollar printer. Amazing. It was a T-shirt printer, and, and that's what he does now. It was a makes... T-shirt printer. It was a, a like a bag printer, like you, know, you can make toke bags and stuff. So he can make that stuff, but he couldn't afford that. So how right. is he going to afford that? They rented it out to a T-shirt and fabric company that needed that, and he makes profits off that in exchange for him to have a job and job experience there. Incredible. So it's his printer. He gets to use it. He gets to pay it off. And also, he gets job experience. He gets learning experience, and then he gets to do his own. Yes. Yeah. That, now, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, again, like, is that the is that going to still work in twenty years? I don't know. But is that going to be invaluable for him forever? Yes. And so, like, those, that's, those, that's those really things. good stuff. I, I yeah. hope I get to see this at some point. Uh, I I I, be, I believe I have a Vimeo link. I don't know if it's public, well, but yeah, I can I can. I hope it over. everyone gets to see this. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I do want to watch. I'll talk to you about that after we start yes. recording, but. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. Just on that note, I mean, in my personal experience, you know, I had severe learning disabilities growing up and, uh, I was gifted 
um, but I also had really severe learning disabilities. Yeah. And I found out that apparently the to the degree in which I was learning disabled in terms of organization, handwriting, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, certain other aspects, I was a rare case because of how socially yeah. fine I was. Right. Uh, this is stuff I found out from my parents later. Mm -hmm. So, because I remember as a kid, you know, as a young kid, I'm talking like grades, uh, five, sorry, Canadian, I know, yeah. sorry, six, sorry, five, six, and yeah. uh, half, four, five, and six. Mm -hmm. I was uh, uh, in, uh, you know, a, a private school, yeah. specifically where I'd be in these groups. Like I went to bicycle camp to learn how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. um, but I was with these kids with severe mental disabilities. Right. And it fucked me up a yeah. bunch because I was like, am I like these guys? You know, yeah. and it's that same ad idea of like you walking through the institution or you maybe, you know, <laughs> it's that idea of like, am I like them? And, and they're going, no, I don't think I am. But I, I remember uh, uh, when I'd gone back to public school, back to the gifted school that I, I you know, was at seventh grade, uh, eighth grade. They put me in a social group. My parents mm -hmm. put me in a social group just to check it yeah. out after the fact. And it was all kids with severe right. mental health things. And I remember being like, I don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, we should try it. We had a meeting with my teacher. And I, I cried as a 13-year-old. Like I, I I, I, for a long time, I barely cried. But I, I cried at 13 mm -hmm. being like, I'm, am I like them? Is that what I am? Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't. You know, which is maybe a little insulting, but it's it, it, it's just tough to recognize those things. So even now, you know, I understand what you say mm -hmm. when you talk about uh, working with these autistic young mm -hmm. adults and seeing your own elements of yeah. yourself in there. I can see that too when I'm with certain people where I go, like, mm -hmm. I have the similarities, you yeah. know. So that, that <coughs> leads me to this question of uh, back to, you know, mm -hmm. You, you don't think you still have Asperger's or do you think that you have it and you've just always had a kind of relatively low uh, uh, ranking on the spectrum? Like you're high functioning? Or like uh, w when you say you don't have it, is it just helpful to not to say that or you legitimately think it's gone? When I was 14, ooh, that was really super That was dramatic. real salty, yeah. yeah. When <laughs> I was 14, I got suspended... Uh, from school twice in three weeks shortly after uh, being involved in a knife fight uh, as we attempted to see either the Mothman prophecies or Kung Pao into the fist. Instead, we rode in a cop car. Um, who, who is we with a knife? Oh, it was me and my friends. We didn't have the knife. I won because I was good at fighting, and then we got to ride in the cop car who to find... Who had the knife? Uh, the other party. It was a bunch of kids. Oh, uh, so you yeah. were fighting someone else. Yeah. Uh, I was good at punching people uh, as a teenager, um, uh -huh. but like it was, you know, there was a. It so was you don't really decide to get into a knife fight. You <laughs> no. Found yourself in a knife fight. I, it was like, holy shit, Sean's bleeding. What the, what the fuck? Someone had a knife. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, this was, you know, the the, the quote unquote third, you know, rough patch. Yeah, you know, this was when they got me in therapy. This was when suicide was a major part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is also uh, shortly you know, around the time that I was uh, very much into the world's worst band. So fuck it. But it helped. World's worst band? Oh, yeah. They, like I was a fucking into the Insane Clown Posse back then. Oh, dude. Yeah. You yeah, know what? That's... It, 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 it helped. When, when you're fucking 13, you need a sense of like, hey, man, oh, sure. there are other people out there. And, yes. and you say that, and yeah. yet you don't believe in your therapist's talk about ma magnets. 
Oh, here, okay. Honestly, I just did a podcast a few weeks ago. The, the um, joke there is, yes, you know, the yeah, magnet. For sure. Well, no, that, that that's the thing is like, ICP used to be just like, oh shit, it's whatever. It's another shitty band. That Magnus thing came out. Everyone who's like, who used to be like into them at all had to go in the fucking closet because now it's a fucking thing where it's like, it's either you're a yeah. juggalo or you're not. And like, for me, as a 13-year-old, got me into horror movies. It, gave, it was, sure, it was something like it I was went, into. Hey, man, whatever works. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also, it's like... Just yeah, so long as you're not drinking yeah. Fago and... Uh... I mean, there are a couple of good flavors. Anyway, back to the point. The point being, around then was when I was like really struggling, and I got put on this new medication, and I got into therapy and all this stuff. And then, you know, in the next year or so, I really kind of made a conscious decision um, to own myself like if i can't be normal then i can be the version of normal that i choose so it's not like hey i'm flailing to try and be a normal person and never succeeding but i can pick what version of me that i want to be and make it deliberate so you you still think you have asperger's it's just you don't i just consider it to be what you have i uh well, or do you like you know is, is about, it a labeling about, thing or about eight years after that process, a big part of that process was saying, you know what, I'm not going to look at it like I have Asperger's. I'm going to look at it like I have anxiety, which right, I can I see, treat, I see, I see. or however, and depression, which I can treat, or however. Right. Those were two actionable things that that did put me in more control. And yes, did I hit the spot where I thought I had too much control and had to back up? Yes, but that also taught me what level of control I did have. And that control wasn't about the Asperger's. That was about the, the depression, depression about the anxiety. and the anxiety. And so when I moved out here, um, I needed to find a new doctor. And I sat down with the doctor to, you know, diagnose me with Asperger's and all that shit so I could get my medication. And he said, if you have Asperger's, then I definitely have Asperger's. Huh. You don't have Asperger's. Interesting. And then the next doctor I saw said the same thing. And so I think that through self-conditioning, yes, I'm still flawed. Yes, I'm still, right. I still have elements of it. For instance, um, it's like, let's let's say, uh, uh, that's what, let's say that chair's a girl. Yeah, You could probably say like, oh, I think she's into me or not into me. That is a blind spot for me. That is absolutely a blind spot for me where... Well, not to be the yes. third doctor, but if that's Asperger's, I've yeah. got Asperger's. Well, but, 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 you know, but, I know like, like, you, like, you can't yes. pick up on social signals, like, generally speaking? or No, just those. That? Just those. Like, ju ju just with girls. I, I like, and, and other know. things like, um, you know, like, there, there, there's, you know, the certain things where, like, you know, you train yourself to do things differently and then you're able to do them at the same normal level. So, like, yes, I, it, it, I don't believe I was misdiagnosed. I believe that I pushed myself out of it you think you were low enough on the spectrum that you were able to do that yes i and i do think like am i weird yes but i am weird i choose to be weird i have built a persona that i am comfortable living in and that persona not to say that i you know it's like no yes i did have asperger's but the person who i have allowed myself to become is does not have that yes there are some flaws yes they are mostly you know, yes they are psychological and yes I'm deeply open about talking about them but yes they uh, Fuck it, that's not the healthiest thing I've heard I mean I mean that legitimately like that's that's a very very healthy way of looking at self 
I mean, that doesn't make it not suck, I'm sure. Like, I feel like yeah. I've got a pretty healthy way of looking at myself, yeah. too, but it's, you know, but yeah. it's still, like, that's, I mean, that's, I'm yeah. really happy to hear that. Yeah. And, like, yes, there's there's depression. Like, on the first, uh, this new therapist I've seen for almost a year now, the first day I went and said, uh, I don't, um, I don't plan on killing myself, but I expect to, huh. um, which is just like, I've been fucking fighting depression for fucking, you know, my whole life. I can envision the day that 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 comes where i'm depressed and like she's like oh yeah that's not you're you're not depressed you're just aware and like that's that's you know i'm as aware what's that do you still feel that way i don't know um sometimes uh i mean yeah depression is a very real thing um lately i've been going through a stretch where i'm very uh fascinated by mortality um you know as well i'll I'll just say this just for what it's Mm -hmm. worth and I say this to you, I've said this to people before, and I say this to anyone listening just on that subject. Uh, mortality, yeah, it's fascinating. And I do agree. I do, I, I'm fascinated by the idea of death, too. But uh, here's the thing. Uh, you won't get to be fascinated by it yes. w- once it happens. So just keep yes. that in mind. I'm, I'm, I'm very scared of the day that I'm in so much psychological pain that it is the right But it sounds like you've been in that much pain and you've gone to get help immediately. So I don't worry for you in that sense. No, no, no. And and, and that's why, like, when I... And that's, by the way, anyone listening at home, that's always what you should do, is if you ever feel like you're at that point where you're like, I can just do this, pick up the phone, call literally anybody you can, go Google, just just don't do it. Yeah, no, and and, uh, this again was... Because then you'll uh, never be on my podcast to talk about it. This was part of the ownership, like, I took a month off my sketch team. I said, you know, I called my mom. I said, we need to figure out, you know, with insurance and all that shit, how to fucking yeah, find a therapist. This. Like things are wrong right now. And things were very wrong last summer. Uh, I even tried to, you know, like I, it was a you know, great fun trip. I just drove all across the American Southwest for a week, but that didn't fucking heal anything. But now I'm in therapy and, you know, going weekly uh, unless work comes up. I got to say in terms of like, reckless things to do yeah. taking a road trip and expanding your knowledge of a place is not the worst <laughs> you can do uh, we, i like road trips i i, I, ju- I, I need to go on one but yes i we need to start to wrap up oh, so sure. i've got a few quick questions mm-hmm. i say that but they're yes. kind of hard ones to answer quickly <laughs> do your best what's the best advice you've ever received in terms of dealing with this kind of stuff let's push that to the end i'm i'm, I'm, I'm trying to think it's uh, i've i've talked to so many fucking people throughout i really couldn't say right now no that's fine that's yeah. that's yeah. the pretty common one what's the worst bit of advice you've received on how to deal with this stuff oh uh go go off your pills <laughs> someone <laughs> said that to you i uh, think you're the second person that said that <laughs> go off your meds well, who the fuck's telling you that uh I'm, i mean i can see it actually it was it was, it was, it was, an, it was you know 18 years old you believe you can you know run the world and i don't begrudge her anything ultimately it was important for me to go through that to become the person sure, I am sure, today. Sure, sure, but yeah. But no, that was probably a bad advice. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's like you ever talk about, like, I mean, you, you hear people say, like, you know, there are mistakes and there are learning experiences. Mm-hmm. Learning experience is such an easy, it's, it's yeah. such a, an, it's an easier way of saying, like, a shitty thing that happened. You I, know, like, a really bad thing that yeah. I'm glad happened, but yeah. fuck. I, I, I think for me, like, I would define that as, like I always look at the, the what's the what's what's the one mistake that starts you downward, and until that one, they're all learning experiences. Sure. So it's like, oh, I smoked crack, probably the last one, and now it's downward from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like that that element, like 
Yeah, and anything that you can build constructively off of that doesn't harm you ir- irreversibly. Uh, do you think all people in the arts are crazy to some degree? No. 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 It's interesting. We're you know I'm, I'm running like almost fifty fifty on this, mm-hmm. and the pe- like some people are like yes for sure, mm-hmm. and then some people are like, no probably not. I haven't had any like maybes. I don't think, but. I mean, you know, this isn't the arts, but I remember like just kind of like waiting it out for my best friend when I was 15. It's like, when's the thing you're fucked up with going to come out? <laughs> <laughs> and and I think there's there's an element that a lot of us have in the arts, and I think everyone has their own shit. Every, but like, when if we wanted to define it, like, is everyone above or below where I'm at? No, I think I think there are certain people who are just like, oh, they just like making people laugh. Fair enough. Okay, final question. Um, well, actually, I've got two more. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Man, don't worry about it. Uh, what advice do you have to other people that are going through similar things who want to get into this kind of industry and into performing? My one bit of advice that I would say towards anyone that's performing, whether it's writing, it's there's, there's that sense that I got in uh, when I first, yeah, like I would go to like an improv show and be like, holy shit, they're all funny on the same plane. And that's not what it is, but that hindered me for so long. Like, looking up at, you know, person A or person B, you know, not to be you know, name-dropping, like, person A is great. Um, <laughs> but, like, to look at, like, they I all... I saw person B having lunch one time. Oh, yeah. my God. I, I wish I would have spoke to him. Yeah. Um, but to, the, the feeling of, like, they all have the secret of what's funny... And because you're watching, you don't have it. That hindered me for a lot. And when I started realizing, and it ties into you know the mental health element of it is, you talk like, like when when I did my show on Monday, the one comment I kept getting was like, oh, that show was so Hunter. That was so weird. That was so unique. And once I started saying like, just lean into your voice. And yeah. If lean you, into who you are. Lean into who you Whatever are. Don't is. say, I want to be like that person. If you're, you know, I mean, even if you're not funny, if you're honest to who you are, you'll find honest things and people relate to that. And if you come from a weird perspective, as a lot of us fucked up brain people do, like me, like I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. So like the, the, to go very quickly back to that, uh, the, the, do I write about, you know, my, I wrote this sketch called Half Man, Half Pea, um, Loses His Virginity. Because the pitch was like, so the, the idea was, oh man, I'm 12, I'm in sex ed. What happens when you, you're, that's a penis, that's a vagina. You pee with a penis. What happens if you pee into a vagina? Like every, everyone's thought. I can see where thought, this is going. Everyone saw that. And so I was like, okay, cool. Let's let's watch the kid who's half man, half pee. Who, yeah, who was yeah. born because someone peed in a vagina. Um, and Hunter, I placed. you're a genius. <laughs> and oh, I, I placed that scene though instead of like crazy P town, I placed that into losing your virginity, right? Because I wanted to see like the real emotional reaction, and so it's just mapping over me having a fucking small dick and the anxiety of all of that, right? Losing your virginity, but it's half man, half P. Now, the two elements of that is did I write something that's completely about my own personal anxiety and fears? Yes, completely. Does it address that specifically? Yeah, I, it, you know, yeah. it does through metaphor, and yeah, that exactly, and that's probably considered my signature sketch, right? Um, but also, everyone says like, "Where the fuck did you come up with that idea?" Yeah, exactly. I that's, just, I just told you exactly how linear it came from me. But everyone's like, "That's, that's 
bonkers. Yeah. Cool. So if you, if, if you're listening to this and you want to be creative, go linear from you, figure out what, figure out how you think and where it goes. That's, that, that's my advice. Uh, and then finally, I mean, what do you think we can do to fix just how people view mental health in this world? Like just the day to day, like, you know, all of us, I mean, you know, going, you know, going to the, you know, the closet example, I don't think like every gay person should have to come out. And I don't think every person with mental illness should have to come out, but there's that sense of the more people that are out and explaining like what they're going through, what, what they're going through and that they're not, you know, threats or that if they are threats, you know, like physically or emotionally, because some people are like, mm-hmm. I've, I've been on the receiving end of those phone calls that go all night and leave you up all night and leave you terrified of your friends. Yeah. Um, and that is a problem. I, I recently just had a conversation with someone where someone believed that I was diagnosed with a very serious uh, thing. Not to say that what I have isn't serious, but the type of thing that, that could, uh, if, you know, it could hamper my employability. Right. Someone thought you were? Someone thought I was. And it was all from a great place. It was from a, hey, this person has such and such. Can you please help us? You know, like, what have you gone through? And I had to say, look, I haven't gone through that. But then I also had to say, and I don't have that. Please don't share that because that's the society we live in right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's really rough on all parts because I know they just want to help and I just want to help. But there has to be yes. that like secrecy clause there. there there's a, yeah, there's a secrecy clause. I don't talk about Asperger's because I know again, number one, I don't identify with Asperger's. I identify with things that yeah, I yeah, can yeah. treat. Um, but I also don't identify with Asperger's because there's a stigma against it right now, especially in yeah. the arts. And that's, yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. really upsetting. I mean, I hear me. people say, you know, use the term on the spectrum kind of disparagingly yeah. all yes. the time. And I'll also say in this, this upset my therapist, but like people like this, this fucking sucks to say. And like, it says a lot and I hope it doesn't come off as shitty. Like if I'm in a room with someone and they say, something disparaging about someone with Asperger's or on the spectrum, I feel a little good inside because it means that they feel safe to be that awful in front because they don't think anyone in the room has it. You know, I, I, I uh, don't think I would, but I at say the same time upsetting. I feel, yeah. no, no, no. You feel like, fuck you. But, yeah. uh, but no, I, I yeah. look, I understand it's, as somebody, and I can tell you as somebody that came from, you know, as a kid being fairly socially fine, but being around Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, severely mentally challenged people and worrying whether I was one of them. I do understand that feeling. And it's like a guilty feeling of like, Oh, I pass. Yes. But it's guilty in the sense that it makes you go like, Oh, but shit. Yeah. I pass. That's shitty. I'm better. You can at least recognize that that sucks. Oh, I completely recognize that. It's, it's, it's awful. Like when you see it on Facebook, when you're in the room and it's like, yeah, it it it, it it's like it, shut up, it, man. It's it it's it, it's a closet thing, but it's it's weird because it's like it's a it's a closet thing for a shirt I feel like I threw away or not not right, that I threw yeah, away. Yeah. It's it's a it's a shirt that I don't wear anymore. I know what you mean. Um, but but yeah, it it's still there, and that sucks. And like for me, my personal growth is I feel like I'm a person who engages with the world, and it's been a long journey to reach that point where I feel that way. Like literally, just this year, I realized like maybe I'm funny. <laughs> well, on <laughs> <Yeah>. that note, 
We're going to call it a, a, a wrap. Well, Thank that's you. very egotistical. <laughs> Hunter, well, you said maybe, so yes. that's good. Uh, Hunter, how can people find you online, Twitter and all that? Uh, I'm uh, at Hunter M. Altman on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I host a podcast called Phanomorphs with uh, Chelsea and Jason Wayne Christian. Uh, that's at Phanomorphs Pod. And uh, then I host a show called Go Sketch Yourself at the Pack Theater. Which is uh, wonderful. Uh, and that's uh, going to be a weekly show every Friday. And it's going to be so much fun. We're really looking forward to getting more people up. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Hunter. Thank you, Eli. There you have it. Hunter M. Altman. That crazy son of a bitch. I love him. Uh, he was so helpful to me uh, during, you know, uh, I had a, a an SNL audition tape I sent in a couple of years ago. And, you know, if you know me, or even if you don't, you might be able to tell. It's not really my strong suit characters and, and the like. But he, he really helped me out. You know, he has a great mind on him. And, and anyway, I'm just so happy to have him on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next week's episode is uh, with my friend Sean DePasquale. He is uh, a comic book writer, a general writer. He's also a, a letterer a letter artist with comics um, all around geek and nerd. And he, he coins one of my favorite terms that we came up with on the podcast is the bong monster, which he talks about when he gets really depressed, he just becomes the bong monster rolls up in a comforter. And I just think that's the funniest term I've ever heard. Um, but you'll hear more about that next week. Uh, please. If you like the podcast again, rate us, review us, um, send us to your friends, send us to your enemies. I don't care. Just get us out there. Twitter at all in your head pod. Instagram, it's all in your head podcast. Gmail, it's all in your head podcast at gmail.com. Facebook, it's all in your head. There are so many ways to find us. Uh, anything you want to say, please say it to me. I'm Eli Henry. You can find me at Eli Henry. Um, we got tons of options. Tune in next week. Tune in every week. Thank you to Jesse Morrison, sound editor extraordinaire. If you want him to do your podcast, I highly recommend it. He is on Twitter at, at BorgDorg. B-O-R-G-D-O-R-G, Borg Dorg. Uh, it's a lot of fun to say, and he's a very funny guy. Follow him. We will see you next week with Bong Monster, Sean DePasquale. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. It's all in your head.